All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. And we'll begin a new series on the life of Elisha. Uh, of course, we studied the life of Elijah, and, uh, and what, a, what a phenomenal study. And of course, we would have to follow right in with that uh, by studying the life of Elisha. And uh, the passage we're going to look at this morning, actually, we, we looked at briefly, uh, but I, I believe that it will be uh, when we were covering the life of Elijah, but I believe it will be there's enough information here that it will be helpful to us and, uh, and it will be a blessing to be able to recap some of that. First Kings chapter number 19. And as we, as we look at this, I, 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 uh, I'll go ahead and spoil it. I'll tell you right now uh, that some of this passage of where this takes place uh, is we were actually there. And so uh, it's kind of exciting. It's kind of neat. And so probably, as I said, every, every message you probably hear a little bit about our trip to Israel. And I'll be able to say, hey, I was there. And it's kind of amazing. Uh, but, uh, but this is also one of those passages. And so we covered a lot of ground and again, it was just a blessing and a phenomenal opportunity for uh, us to be able to go. 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse number 16, the Bible says, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, uh, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Let me just stop and say this, that this is kind of in the middle. This is right after Elijah uh, was on the mount and, and God revealed himself as the still small voice. And God gave Elijah instructions concerning, hey, these are some things that you need to do. And one of them was, as we see here in verse number 16, uh, and he says in the middle of the verse, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And, uh, and so one of the things that he was to do uh, was to anoint Elisha as his predecessor. Jump down with me to verse number 19, and we'll read the, uh, the, the fact that he does that. It says there in verse number 19, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house around your word. Father, I pray that you would use me this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as we look at this passage. God, I pray that it would be real to us. And God, that we would uh, see things that would help our life and encourage and strengthen and help us. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
As we look at this passage, uh, we're reminded, of course, of the ministry of Elijah. Elijah walks onto the pages of Scripture with really no introduction. It just tells that he is a Tishbite from Gilead. That's really all that it says about Elijah. Uh, and so Elisha, we have quite a bit more information. We have where he's from. We have a little bit of his home uh, here. And, and it's very interesting because we have, that's in stark contrast to the way that Elijah was introduced to us. And uh, these are, uh, here we have the divine call of Elisha. And it's a blessing to be able to see that. It ought to be a great interest to us because we have God's will clearly laid out for Elisha before us. And as we look at that, hey, may we be encouraged to find and be, be curious and be obedient to what God's will is for our life. Now, God's not going to call every one of us to preach. Uh, but listen, God does have a will for each and every one of us, and he desires that we be active in his service. He desires that we can do things uh, for his honor and his glory. That's why he left us here. I've often said, if God's desire was simply to take us to heaven, when you got saved, he would have just taken you to heaven. But he didn't do that. He left you here on this earth because he has something that he would like to use you for here in this world. And, uh, and we see that very clearly here in the life of Elisha. And as we look at this, uh, I hope and pray that it'll be a help and a blessing to you. Look at with me in verse number 16. We see the recipient of the call. He says there, or verse number 19 rather, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Um, let's examine all that we can know about Elisha. I'm constantly amazed uh, how, how God uses different people. Uh, Elisha uh, was quite a bit different than Elijah. Elijah was a very rustic and a very uh, bold personality, and, and he was accustomed to a very hard life. We see that as, as we contrast these two, and, and that's certainly obvious as you look at the life and ministry of Elijah. Elisha, on the other hand, uh, he comes from probably a very wealthy family, uh, well-to-do, well-off. And, uh, and we find that they're, they're two different characters, but God used each of them in amazing ways. I often look at the disciples' lives. And I look at, uh, I'll take two, and, and I contrast these often in my mind. That of Peter. Peter speaks of boldness. Peter is one that stands up and, and he's always outspoken and he's the first to say something. And, and you contrast that with John, the, the disciple. John is more laid back. He's more reserved. Uh, he is the disciple uh, that more is, is kind of soft-spoken, if you could say it that way. And, and, and just as firm in his faith as Peter was, but yet a totally different personality. And yet God used both of them in a way that he saw fit. Isn't it amazing that God can use you how you are? You don't have to be somebody different. You don't have to be a Peter. You don't have to be an Elijah. You don't have to be an Elisha. You be who you are and allow God to use you the way you are because he wants to use you. We find that these two are, are totally different. And, uh, and we, need to be, uh, we need to find those areas that we can be useful in. Oftentimes we're tempted and we're prone to think, at least I am, man, I, I wish... Uh, boy, I don't think the Lord could use me in that capacity. 
I remember being young and thinking many times, well, I don't think the Lord could use me doing that or doing this. And, and we're quick to point out all the ways that God can't use us. But listen, let's stop looking at the ways God can't use us and start looking for the ways that God can use us. Because that will be so much more appropriate, so much more fitting. And so we find here uh, that, that here is Elisha, and he is the recipient of the call. What is his, uh, what is, what, let's look a little bit about him. What does his name mean? If you remember back to our first lesson of Elijah, uh, we learned that his name means God is Jehovah. Elijah and Elisha have very similar names. A lot of times when people speak, sometimes we'll get them confused and we'll say the wrong name and uh, things like that because they're very similar. Elijah's name means God is Jehovah. Elisha's name means God is salvation. And so what a great, uh, great name that we have in Elisha. And it's kind of fitting, really, if you think about the ministry of Elijah. He went through and he reprimanded Ahab and Jezebel, the king of Israel, and, uh, and said, hey, you're not living right, and you're not doing right, and you're leading Israel in a wrong path towards Baal worship. And he was very bold in that and saying, hey, listen, God is Jehovah. And, uh, and we'll see throughout the ministry of Elijah that, hey, God is salvation. Not only is he God Jehovah and the Lord God, but God is also salvation. And this is a message that would be repeated every time Elisha's name is mentioned. Hey, listen, it's needed in every generation. The Bible names oftentimes were more closely related to their meaning as, as people would see uh, the, the understanding of it. It would be like, I don't know if I got a good illustration. It would be like uh, somebody that's named Joseph. And, and if you have any Bible knowledge, you might be prone to think of Joseph uh, in the Bible. Uh, if, if somebody that was made, named Mary, many times you would think of, oh, Mary in the Bible. Uh, and, and so those would be associated with that. But it was even stronger than that because the first part of the name uh, meant God and the last part of the name meant salvation. And it was more uh, apparent to them in their day. And so it was, a, it was something that would stand out. Hey, listen, salvation is from God. Maybe you're disappointed in the election results in the past week. Uh, maybe you thought, boy, things would go better. And, and listen, I, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed. But I'm reminded of the fact that, listen, salvation is not going to come from Washington. Salvation is not going to come from the government. Salvation comes from God. Uh, that's what Elisha's name means. And, uh, and listen, we need to understand uh, that, that God is our salvation. Not only his identification in his name, but I want you to notice his location. This is interesting here in verse number 16. And the Bible says in the middle of the verse, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, uh, and so we have that location, Abel Mihola. Now, uh, it's tough to pinpoint exactly where that town is. And uh, if you look at maps at all, uh, especially through Bible times up till now, uh, we don't have on the map Abel Mihola uh, pinpointed on a map. It's an area, and we know that it's west of Jordan, and we know that it's close to the Valley of Jezreel. I was there. 
Uh, that's where a Gideon spring was. That's where Gideon went to the spring and, and, uh, and had that spring there and, and was lapping up the water. And listen, if you think about that, he would have known that. Uh, we're talking about Elisha. We're talking about the children of Israel. We're talking about their history. They would have known their history. They would have known uh, the story of, of, of Gideon and him uh, defeating the, the Philistines. And they were aware of those things uh, in that day and age because they knew their history. The Bible says, turn with me to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. And verse number 22, save your spot here in Kings as we'll be back here. But Judges chapter 7 and verse 22, we find this place is mentioned uh, with Gideon. Here in, in Judges chapter 7 and verse 22, uh, Gideon has already brought his 300 men up on top of the ridge. And, uh, and of course, they had, what did they have with them? Uh, they had the, the, the uh, pot and the, the candle that was inside. And, uh, and then they had the thing to break that and a horn. And, uh, and, and of course, when Gideon said the word, he said, hey, I want you to break your lamps and sound your horn. And, and so the, the men on the hillside, they did that. And the Midianites then were so confused that they attacked and killed each other. And several of them, uh, many of them fled away. In verse number 22, we find what took place there. It says in verse 22, Judges 7:22. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord said, Every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the host fled to Bethshita in Zerath, and to the border of Abel-Meholah unto Tabath. And I was looking, after having been in Israel... Of course, I took my map out and I looked up every one of those places. I'm like, where's this at? Where's that at? Where's this at? Where's this at? And it was a region on the east side of Jordan, north of the Dead Sea and south of the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And it was kind of all of that area uh, that it kind of encompasses the area of the, the Valley of Jezreel. And, uh, and that is where uh, Elisha was from. And so he hails from a, a town where God has proven that he is the salvation of Israel, where God has provided and taken care of Israel. And so we see even in his name, we see even in the location of where he was, that God was going to take care of, of Elisha and of the nation of Israel. Not only that, but I want you to notice his occupation uh, as we're talking about Elisha. Uh, we noticed this, and we, we talked about this last time, that he was a wealthy farmer. The fact that he would have 12, uh, 12 uh, oxen there. He was the 12th one, the Bible says there in verse number uh, 19, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was the 12th. In other words, hey, he, his family uh, was probably fairly wealthy to have 12 oxen plowing up that field all at one shot. But I want you to notice this as well. We didn't point this out last time. Is that, listen, even though he was wealthy, his dad expected him to work. He was out there in the fields. Even though he was well off, he wasn't sitting around the house just sipping iced tea and saying, well, you know, you get the servants to work. No, this guy was a worker. Uh, he was out there in those oxen. He was plowing the fields with those servants that were helping plow those fields. Maybe he had several other sons or brothers or sisters. We don't know. Uh, but I know this. He was expected to work. And he did work. 
And so we find a little bit about Elisha, a little bit about the area that he's from. I want you to notice the revelation of the call in verse number 19. It says here in verse number 19, so he, or go back to verse number 16. This verse 16 is the, uh, the fact that, that God is giving the instruction to Elisha, or Elijah, excuse me. And it says in verse number 16, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And God is very clear about his call and appointment to Elisha. Uh, and uh, giving it to Elijah about Elisha. And, uh, and notice the message. It was very clear. God didn't say, hey, uh, you know, other times God was vague to Elijah. Uh, God told Elijah, hey, I want you to go to Zarephath and I have a widow woman there that, that will sustain thee. He didn't name the widow woman. He just said there is a widow woman there. But in this case, God was very clear about who he was to seek out. He was not seeking out just some random person in, in this region, but rather he had a name. Hey, I want you to go and I want you to find Elisha. God was very clear about who he was. And I want you to notice that it was God that was the initiator. If you go back and you read these verses, uh, it starts way back up in, in verse number 14. Uh, well, verse number 13, that God is speaking to Elijah and he gives him all of this instruction all the way down to verse number 16. And it was very clear that God was speaking to Elijah. Hey, listen, uh, we need to be careful that it's God that puts us in the places that we ought to be. And not just our imaginations or our thoughts or uh, just something, well, I think that would be fun. Uh, no, it was God. Uh, listen, personalities are not near as important as God's call. That's far more important. Sometimes we get all wrapped up in personalities. Sometimes we get wrapped up in this person or that person. Hey, listen, uh, God's man uh, needs to have God's call upon his life. And we see that here with Elisha. Not only the author was God, the authenticity. Listen, God's calling will never go contrary to his word. Sometimes people are wondering, you know, what's God's will for my life? And, uh, and I always tell people several things. I tell people three things that were given to me. One is that, uh, number one, you need, to be, you need to know what God's word says. Hey, God is not going to lead you contrary to his word. Sometimes people be like, well, uh, I feel like God would have me to do this. And it goes contrary to the word of God. And I'm like, that's not God's will. And I can tell you that definitively. Uh, because listen, the word, the word of God says this. And it goes against what they think is God's will. Listen, God's will is never going to go contrary to his word. Never. And, uh, and so we need to understand uh, that his will is all wrapped up in his word. That's one of the things that usually I tell people. The Word of God dictates the will of God. Now I want you to notice this as well. Elijah's awareness of God's will. Hey, listen, uh, he was aware because he was listening to the voice of God. Elijah was. 
not only Elijah, Elisha as well. When Elijah came by and, and put his mantle on Elisha, uh, hey, listen, Elisha was aware, well, this is God. This is the prophet of God that's speaking to me. He was aware. Oh, how we need to be aware. Oh, how we need to be listening for God. Oh, how we need to be reading His Word. Hey, listen, we need to be spending time studying the Word of God. We encourage you, uh, I try to encourage you regularly, read through your Bible in a year. Uh, you say, preacher, that's a lot. Listen, you just take it one chapter at a time and uh, you read two, three chapters in a day, you should be able to get through the entire Bible in a year. And listen, it will help you. Uh, you're reading this book, it will, it will change your life. It will give you uh, the Word of God present in your life every single day. And, and listen, you're not going to get it all the first time through. You're not going to get it all the second time through. You're probably not even going to get it all the fifth time through. But I tell you what, every time you read it, you'll get something from God if you're looking. We need to have an awareness of God's Word. We need to have an awareness of who God is. And Elijah and Elisha, both of them, were very aware of what God wanted them to do. We see the message. We see the mantle. Listen, the casting of that mantle, I talked about this last time we, we looked at this passage. The casting was a clear sign to Elisha of the prophetic office that was placed upon him. Elisha, uh, Elijah walked by. And, and what is his mantle? Well, it's his outer coat. It's like my suit coat. If I were to take it off and, 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 and throw it on uh, Elisha. Uh, and he said, hey, that's, that's uh, boy, he recognized it. He said, hey, that's that prophet that was up in Mount Carmel. That was that prophet. He had been seen throughout, uh, throughout Israel. He was very known. Uh, Elisha was, he had a hairy, uh, hairy mantle. It was probably a lamb skin or something like that or camel skin or something of that nature. And it was a very uh, rustic thing. And, and everyone knew, oh, that is Elisha, Elijah, unmistakable, the prophet of God. And so he cast that on Elisha. And it was a clear sign. And listen, as Elijah chose Elisha, as God had said, hey, may we be reminded we need qualified people. It's important to find people, not just pick people and say, oh, uh, why, don't, why don't this person do that or this person do that? Hey, listen, uh, God had ordained Elisha and said, hey, I want this is the man. That, that is going to be the next prophet in Israel. We need to be careful that we don't just put people in a place because there's a hole to fill. And I'm reminded of that, and that's so important as we see the mantle, we see the ministry. Uh, as we look at this call, uh, listen, the, there was evidences that Elisha had been called. What were those evidences? Well, as you go through, and we'll, we'll look at it later, we'll see it, and we did look at it even in, in Elijah's ministry. But you remember when uh, Elijah was about to be carried up in, the, uh, in, in, in that whirlwind. And, uh, and as he was doing that, as that was, day was coming by, the sons of the prophets were there. And that, the prophets there at the school, the young prophets that were studying, they recognized, oh, Elisha is the next prophet. They recognized that. They said, hey, this is the guy that God has already chosen. The Shunammite woman, you remember her, uh, that, that uh, listen, Elijah had spent time with her. She recognized and said, hey, this is a man of God. This is the next prophet. 
And so there were evidences of the ministry of Elisha as he was ministering to Elijah. We see his ministry there. I want you to notice his response. And we looked at that before. Uh, Verse number 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back, and for what have I done to thee? Uh, Look at his response. I love this in verse number uh, 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. I love that. You see that a couple times in the Word of God. You see that, I believe, in Samuel, when Samuel gets up and he runs to uh, Eli after God has called him Eli, or Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel, of course, jumps up and he runs to Eli. And and I love the zealousness that you see here with Elisha as he runs after Elijah. And, And listen, boy, I'm reminded of the fact that we need to be zealous for the Lord. And we ought to have a zeal for serving the Lord. The Bible says this way in Romans 12, 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. One of the things in Israel that touched me, even on our flight on the way over, was the Hasidic Jews. The Hasidic Jews You'll know them as soon as you see them because they're dressed in black and white. They're fully decked out. They they have a hat on. Uh, They they have just a lot of things that that stand out from a regular person uh, of everyday life. They're a Hasidic Jew. And one of the things that that touched my heart was on the flight on the way over, uh, we we flew out at night, and of course, there's six or seven hours ahead of us in Israel, and about three o'clock in the morning, of course, we were on a Jewish airline flying over. And so about three or three o'clock in the morning, uh, there was a bunch of rustle on the airplane. And, and all of these, these Jews started getting up and they started getting their, into their overhead bin. And they were getting out these, these things and they, were, they, they had scripture boxes that they would tie around their head. And the strap would come and they'd wrap it all the way down their arm and wrap it around their hand several times. And, and then they'd sit there and they would, they would pray for about a half hour straight. And, and you look at that and you see three times a day they were called to prayer and they would religiously pray three times a day, enough to get up at three o'clock in the morning because that was the time of, of, of prayer in Jerusalem. And they would face the east. And I see all of their zealousness and I see all of their religious dedication. I think, boy, We need to have that kind of zealousness for the Lord. We serve a living God. We know uh, He he sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us and and paid for our sins. And, And listen, we have so much more than they have. We ought to be zealous to serve our Lord. We ought to be zealous and have a fervency of spirit. We look at Elisha and he ran after Elijah. He was fervent. We see a zealousness. We see a courageousness as Elisha served the Lord. Listen, you think about this. Elijah was not a popular person in Israel during this time. Oh, he had just defeated all of 
all of the Baal worshipers. You remember 450 Baal uh, prophets of Baal were slain on that mountain. Yeah, I remember that. That was a great victory for God that day. Certainly it was. There's no doubt about that. But you understand and realize that Ahab and Jezebel were still king and queen of Israel at that time. And they were the ones that were very unhappy with Elijah. And they were the ones that were saying, hey, I want you to grab this guy and I want you to kill this guy. He was still a wanted outlaw and he was not somebody that was looked, uh, looked upon as, as the nation would say, wow, there goes the man of God. No, he was looked at as a wanted criminal. And here he comes and he, and he casts his mantle on Elisha. And Elisha says, hey, listen, God's work is far more important to me than my own safety. And I want to serve God at all expense. He was courageous to follow after Elijah. He was courageous to follow after the footsteps of Elijah. He, he was willing to give his life and to do whatever God wanted him to do, even though it was not popular, even though it went against the, uh, the government law per se, and even though Elijah was a wanted man, he was willing to follow after the man of God. Not only that, it was sacrificial. We know that. We looked at that last time. Uh, the fortune that he would leave behind, he was probably wealthy. That was about to say goodbye to that. And follow Elijah. You remember Elijah? Elijah was a simple man. Elijah, uh, remember the, the widow, uh, she made one little room and it had one little bed and one little lamp post. He wasn't a man of, of great means. He wasn't a man of, of wealthy possessions. He wasn't, a, though it was offered to him, but he turned it down every time. You remember when Naaman came by the river and, 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 and Naaman was healed and Naaman was a very wealthy man and offered to pay Elijah and Elijah said, hey, I'm not taking it. He was, a, uh, he was somebody that was going to say, hey, I want to live a simple life. And here Elisha was following in those footsteps. He had to leave his family behind. You notice he did that. He said, let me go back and tell my mom and my dad goodbye as I'm going to follow you. It was a sacrificial commitment to follow Elijah. And it was a total commitment. And we talked about this before, but he slew those oxen. He said, listen, there's no going back. He took the yoke and he broke it and he burned it uh, and he used the yoke so that he could cook those oxen and, uh, and, and he served food to everyone. It was a very public commitment that he said, hey, listen, I'm following the Lord today and I want everyone to know I'm not going back to my home. I'm not going back to my family. I'm not going back to my wealth, but I'm going to follow God and I'm going to serve God with my life. It was a sacrificial commitment. It was a total commitment. It was a public commitment. We see all of these things as we see his call. What were his responsibilities? Look with me in verse number 21. We see the responsibilities of his call in verse 21. It says this, And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. We find later in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 11, the Bible says, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, hey, he ministered 
unto Elijah. He didn't step into a role of being, uh, being the next prophet. He didn't step into a role of automatically prophesying. He stepped into a role of being a servant to Elijah. That was his immediate responsibilities. And he did those things. And I'm reminded of the verse that Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Listen, we need to serve. Serving is not a bad thing. Some people look for the prominent positions. They say, well, I want this and I want that. Hey, listen, serving is one of the best things that you can do. Behind the scenes, doing uh, minor things and, and things that maybe no, no one else will see. Hey, it's serving. That's what Elisha did. He poured, hands on the wa uh, poured water on the hands of Elijah. He ministered unto him. Not only that, but eventually we find in verse number 16, look at the last part of that verse. He names him, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, Shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room? In other words, he was going to be a prophet. He was going to be a man of God. And he was going to follow after Elijah. And listen, God had called him and said, Hey, I want, this is what I want for you. This is what I have for you. And I want you to follow me. And these were the responsibilities that he had to look forward to as he served the Lord. What an example to us. As we see his responsibilities in the call, we see his, uh, his, the uh, response to the call and the revelation of the call as God revealed it to him that he would follow him. How important it is for us to know and follow the will of God in our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, are we seeking the will of God? Are we willing to sacrifice? You look at the life of Elisha. What a phenomenal example to us. He was willing to give all and to follow the Lord. He was committed to following the Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look and we consider your will for our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to follow you. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to know your will. Help us to be aware of your will and be in your word. Be reading it and know, God, what you would have us to do. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you'd encourage and strengthen each and every believer here this morning. God, I pray that you would just help us to follow you in all that we do. Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano plays and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to take a moment there and pray in your seat. Say, God, what wilt thou have me to do? God, what area can I serve you? <clears throat> Don't look at the areas <clears throat> that you can't do things. Look at the areas that you can serve. Be committed.